0: From 11FS, I'm David Brewer and this is Fintech Insider News. Coming up on today's show, UK challenger banks have been hitting the headlines a lot this week and we discuss how Curve, Starling and Tandem and Atom are impacting the market. Australia banks switched to real-time payments in Australia day and the ghostface killer is starting a cryptocurrency company? We really miss Simon on this story. All this and more coming up on today's show. Welcome to Fintech Insider News, coming to you live from the amazing and ever-growing 11FS office over here in WeWork London, Algate. That was a mouthful to get through. Um, my name is David Breer from 11FS, and I'm joined by, well, literally nobody from my regular colleagues today. I, like, I feel like this is quite a sad epi- Like, this is not the breakup of the band, by the way. This is not how this comes to an end. It's just everybody's busy. So uh, Jason's out talking to a bank board today, and I think Simon's over in sunny Barcelona. Is that right? I'm looking for nods. This is not working on a podcast, but he's definitely I'm in Barcelona. Nods. Yeah. <laughs> so Eurofinance, I think it was. Um, so, albeit I'm rather lonely today, I'm going to sort of take this Aww. opportunity to be on, <laughs> like, kind of like you know, I'll get on my bandwagon and like shout about the stuff that I've been doing because I've had an like, absolutely killer week. I'll be honest with you. So, um, not only did I manage to uh, go and present at zero which was absolutely amazing. There it was, was
1: like 5,000 people in there? I know, right?
0: How many? I know. So it was really good fun. A very, very entertaining thing. I also managed to uh, do a dinner presentation for Salesforce, which was super, super entertaining as well. Because And I literally went from one to the other. And just to kind of top that stuff off, today I had a really, really entertaining meeting with Gary Vaynerchuk and a CEO of a bank, which if you can imagine the sort of tension in that room in terms of uh, everything that was going on, like literally we could have sold tickets to that. Uh, but um very, very entertaining day, and uh, yeah, apart from my colleagues bailing on me at the last minute, then uh, all well in the world. So, But I guess the fun thing about this show is we do have many friends, so we, we called in some very, very interesting people to come and uh, back me up on this one. So joining us this week in London, but all the way from Toronto, is BioConnect's Chief Identity Officer, it's Bianca Lopez. Bianca, thank you very much for coming along.
1: Thanks for having me. How I'm are you really going? excited. I'm good. It's Bianca.
0: Man, like, but you, uh, you knew I was going to be getting that wrong. <laughs> uh, but to, to be honest, like, after a couple of the yeah. ice, ice wines that you brought along with you, like, I'm just happy I got through the intro, quite frankly. So, uh, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming. And thanks for bringing alcohol, as always. Um, next up, we have, it is our favorite business insider reporter and pretty much becoming almost like a regular host now. Like, we need to give you, like, an official title pretty soon, right?
2: Yeah, the WeWork guy said I could have a, an entry card. And like I think an that's it card. when I've made it, when yeah. I don't have to log in anymore register
0: uh, uh, you' you're here more than I am now it's it's getting it's getting kind of weird um and it's the regular savor of everything on the after dark front and our on our uh, starting point guard for a hype then uh, it is Jamie Campbell from Bud. how's it going Jamie pretty well pretty well we've had a pretty crazy week as well with a with a work party
3: um on Tuesday which got Largely out of hand, but um, but it was all all good fun. All good fun.
0: It was all good fun until until
2: you saved that for the after dark show,
3: right? Exactly. But hold on to those stories. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we took we took three hundred and thirty pictures throughout the whole night and it was the first time we've got all of the bud team all 21 of us which is great amazing yeah i know crazy isn't it such a big growth yeah 21 of us in a room with um you know with food and and drinks and it was it was really quite amazing you know people who have it was their second day and it was like they've been there for you know, baptism of fire i know yeah <laughs> so, scary. something
0: about getting hella drunk with your colleagues like just bonds drunk doesn't I'm it taking hella drunk. In, selfies. Fact,
3: in fact yeah, in fact there was one of the, one of the girls um who's joining the data science team she hasn't even started yet and she came along so yeah really good, wow. good turnout.
2: <laughs> is she still starting exactly she's she still
3: coming back on I, haven't, day? I haven't checked i haven't heard from her though so oh yeah okay you might want to check her after <laughs> the show
0: and on that note before we file that missing persons claim then uh, maybe let's get into the news Okay. Uh, first up, we have a story from Finextra. So this is Curve partners with zero. And I actually had the opportunity to talk to the Curve CEO this week about this one. Quite interesting, actually, because really within the SME space, which largely is pretty much underserved by most of the banks, we're actually starting to see their marketplace really sort of do really, really interesting things. Curve, for anybody who doesn't know, is a, uh, a card app. So it sits, at the front of all of the other payments capability, allowing you to aggregate different cards into it and sort of switch out the back of it. Um, Really, really good idea because everything that we've sort of seen uh, and what they're doing now with Curve is about the receipting capability. So um, whereas before we've sort of seen digitized receipting, which predominantly is taking a picture of a a receipt and kind of moving those things forwards, actually what we're seeing now is full integration sort of end-to-end into your accounting package. So I basically picked up, like, 20 cards while I was mm-hmm. there. I think, like, the 11FS the team are probably going to be using this one pretty heavily. Do you guys look at this?
2: Uh, well, yeah. Fun- funnily enough, I may have just published a report on small business fintech. So, you know. It I mean, happens it, 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 every it week, happens. Right? I know, right? You know, um, I work fast. Um, no, it Curve do some really interesting things. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I have a couple of questions about how it works. As with everything Curve does, they do some wonderful things and they look brilliant and you never quite understand what's going on at the back end. Um, the interesting one here will be, as far as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, it looks through your transactions and it goes, oh, well, that was hotels, that's airlines, that's cabs. Now... I've got some experience with the consumer retail banks and there are some things that ends up in categories that they probably shouldn't be in and are backwards. So I'd be intrigued to see how quickly this is actually a viable replacement um, for those shall not be named expense claiming softwares that you take a picture of and upload and take a picture of upload. And if your thumb's in the picture, that's the end of that.
3: I think what's interesting here is there's a lot of banks who are kind of announcing that they're partnering with uh, Zero to send... Um, data in a in a in a much more secure form via APIs um, to them. I think uh, you know I've I've seen maybe two or three in the, in the last couple of months, and what's interesting about that is you know they're kind of putting themselves away from the relationship of the small business by allowing them to you know put more value into zero services, which is an interesting strategy. And some of the conversation and there's a lot of kind of small business news actually on the on the show which we'll come into. But a lot of the strategies that we're seeing are are, are quite You know, for us at at Bud, we look to put more value into the banking apps, Mm -hmm. and to almost send people the other way for us is is there's a question mark there. But I think Curve is probably one of the one of the better placed companies to to be sending um, that data over to, to zero.
2: Yeah, so 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 curve and zero as a partnership makes perfect sense to me. Um, the relationships you were just describing, and there are a lot of banks doing it. One of the things and this is this is probably, you know, this is thinking way, way into the future, but if I'm a small business or a sole trader and my main relationship is with Zero, because that's where I see my expenses and my receipts and my accounting details. And you know what, I can also bring in my HR stuff. The minute that I can access my bank account through that and initiate payments, which may or may not be happening under some regulation that we talk about far too much, um i'm I'm immediately not going to have seventeen apps. I'm going to use zero, which is incredibly well designed or curve, which is also incredibly well designed for me. So as you say, it's it's a very interesting decision on the bank's
0: part. Essentially, we've done that already. You know, like we, from our perspective, the fact that you can do sort of real-time data integration between mm. those two points and you can actually see your balance through zero, then, you know, the reason to go through a really fumbly sort of log-on process with a a bank that shell name uh, remain unnamed. <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of actually one of those things that you just don't bother doing anymore. So we get yeah. you know we get all of our notifications around payments, we get all of our balance information just via zero. Can
2: you can you initiate payments? Can you pay it initiate payments? Right. So that's the extra but bit that PSD two ass- will bring in.
0: You would assume yeah they would go for like the yeah. PISPA license to The minute they can do in, it, yeah. they'll do
2: it and then what else?
0: Indeed. But but I I guess this is probably a conversation that's going to continue. But maybe if we bring in the the second story here. So this is actually literally on the day that Zerocon was happening, actually. Starling came out and said, uh, we're going to be coming into business accounts pretty soon, guys. Which was sort of really, really interesting. But I think continuing... Fast. Yeah. Well, 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 no, it's a waiting list. It is a waiting list. And
2: is it actually a business bank account or is it a current account with a business label on it?
0: Sure. But that's basically what, you know, I, I... When I sort of stand up and do a presentation about this, it's predominantly like, here's a card from Bank X, here's a business card from Bank X. What's the difference between these two of these? Well, one costs money. They have the cheek of charging <laughs> yeah. you money for one of them. But
2: that's that, that's the point. If if any if Starling or any of those guys who are launching business bank accounts want to succeed, they have to make them for businesses, which is as we've just said is exactly what Curve does. Tide does it as well very well. Well, well we
3: we Bud we're coming at it from a from a different angle. So we um, a few months ago we were shortlisted alongside uh, 19 other companies to work with Nesta for that Open Up Challenge, which was for us, for Bud, it was to replicate our model in retail for businesses. So our aggregation model of plugging all the financial services into the bank account, now we're undertaking that for small and medium enterprises. What that means is, you know, and we've kind of been talking around it, is moving that relationship to go the other way. So plugging in the accountancy software, the payroll software, the uh, small business loans, fintech companies, plugging those into the banking app. And that's way more
1: valuable, right? When you you look at, as a small business person, like, you have so many things to do every day. Like, we've seen this in Canada. There's a company called SensiBuild that does that. It integrates back to the bank and it allows to say, here's all the other things that you need and you're going to use one. But the end result is one app, one platform that allows that person to customize. I have a question about this.
2: Uh, so I, when I was writing said report, um, I spoke to a number of big banks that were on Shoal and Rain Nameless. He said, well, you know, uh, this many small businesses don't even use online banking, so there's no way they're using zero well, It's taken now- 10
3: years. It's taken 10 years to move people from branch to online um, as a majority. That was one of the stats yeah. that, we've, that we've kind of, um, we, we wrote our brief for the Open Up Challenge around that. Um, so trying to get them to then adopt Another piece of technology. You mean small yeah. businesses? Small businesses, right. yeah. So yeah. they are.
2: So
1: they are relatively hesitant to adopt.
3: Exactly. So that's I think it has to be was, something
1: so intuitive, like yeah. it just does it right. So the categorization that uses most of the categorizations use deep learning. Like it's the idea of you. How do you grab stuff and can tell me the next product that I need from a business? How do exactly. you aggregate all that information to make my life super easy and super streamlined? So and actually, that's what I'm curious about. Yes, like Starling Bank, like because one of the h- hardest things as a business is like you, like, do you want to go to the bank and open a bank account and do all the process and the procedure? So is that why
0: they're doing it? I don't know. I, I, th- I think the thing is though just getting a bank account actually is like such a hygiene thing in running a business and actually what we're seeing with zero and all the pla- you know, the platform words that you sort of nailed a second ago, I think that's the thing. It's actually all the stuff around that that actually helps people on a day-to-day business a- actually run their company. Yeah. It's not really about so, financial services anymore. It's about cash flow management, which is actually which is why forward- I think. You've looking, seen, you know? like,
1: Jack, like, why you've seen people like Jack Dorsey, like, get into the banking business, like, apply for to say, I did this because I'm a business owner and maybe I make jackets. And, like, I don't really care about the whole process that goes around it. I just want to get paid and make my jackets and keep my clients and. Not so get in the, trouble.
2: The, the 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 point here though is that there is no shortage of very excellent platforms for small businesses. There are there's zero, there's there's others, there's QuickBook runs into it. There are there are lots out there that work and people like them. There's crunch boards, there's all this stuff, and, and as you say, they're very intuitive. The problem in the UK, which doesn't exist in the US, I found out recently, is the actual just getting an account. Mm. So we speak to small businesses and they say it took us twelve weeks, sixteen weeks, twenty weeks to get an account. I spoke to um the co founder of Cabbage and she said It's not a problem in the US, I just don't understand. Like, you go for a bank account and you get it. So it's really interesting that it's geographic, because we're talking about this kind of... The actual problem is getting the account, not having the services. They're all there, they're ready, they're brilliant suppliers. It's that extra oomph that, as you say, is a hygiene
0: factor. I'm not so sure about that. I think the... I don't think the problem is just getting the bank account. I think when you've got the bank account, the bank account's rubbish. And it's so, expensive. I yeah, understand that. So, and like, to the point you're getting charged for something that actually adds no material value to And you they'll tell you, here's
1: package one, two, and three, yeah. and it's one size fits nobody. I agree. Right? Yeah,
0: and, uh, and I think the, the the thing that you're actually looking for is sort of guidance on a day-to-day basis. You know, you're yeah. you're predominantly running a business based on, like, looking in the rearview mirror rather than actually any real advantage of you're actually You're going to need a loan planning. coming up yeah, or you're
2: going to need some extra credit coming up because your invoices aren't
3: matching up with your that is when it becomes very interesting and even more um, argument to suggest that bringing those outside periphery platforms into the bank that main point of call the heartland of anyone who's starting a business bringing all those services into the bank allows people and allows platforms you know like like bud to perform those predictive analytics to give you a heads up to give you next month's status instead of last month's you know statements and i think that's going to be the, a, bit, a bit of a I changing was, point when it comes to SM. When
1: I look and talk to banks, and, I, and I'm and i more in agreement in terms of what David said, is they all talk about them having trust and them having this like relationship and why you look at some of the banks and some of the bank growth that is because they build relationships with the local brands. What kind of advice are you giving me? I hate the word advice because it's so overused in banking, but what kind of advice are you giving me? So you have to be pulling in and categorizing the things the right way, sure. and you have to be Be able to action on it. I think that's the next step that doesn't exist.
0: So maybe bizarrely I'm not used to being the adult in the room on this one but bringing us back to the story okay, I know it's weird, but like with Jason and Simon away, I kind of feel like I gotta like man up right. a little bit on this one but it's going to be really interesting I guess to see at the point where if Starling are gonna massively differentiate between actually what it is that they're doing from a, a retail perspective uh, within the SME market and I think the the thing that we've come back to a bunch of times before here is is actually how many different things Starling is actually doing right now. Uh, you know, they've like gone for a European expansion. Now they're doing business counts. They're like heavily pushing on everything that they're doing from a marketplace perspective. Like, it is pretty insane how much stuff they're doing, right? And will it be app only? You know, the amount of small businesses... I
3: feel like when you're sat at a computer, you give things more time, more thought. You know, things aren't transient like... As a as a you customer, you swipe a notification. Going, exactly, you, 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 exactly. you need a loan if, next month. Yeah.
2: Oh, whoops, whoops. But where if, did that go? Wait. Yeah, but,
3: and if you're so, if you're an SME, is that gonna is that gonna open up
0: um, a web channel for 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 Starling? Who, who yeah. Don't know. Guess we're gonna find out maybe somewhere through next year. So let's uh, see what happens on that one. Uh, next up, Sarah. This is one you're probably gonna be reasonably familiar with, given it's from your lovely, lovely publication yourself. So this is on Business Insider, and this is Tandem's 2016 accounts. So, Brexit seems to be getting blamed for quite a lot of things here.
2: Yeah, I mean, Brexit can be blamed for an awful lot of things in the UK, don't get me wrong. This particular uh, excuse, if you like, doesn't make an awful lot of sense to me. Um, so basically, for those who don't know, Tandem is a neobank. Um, the UK market has quite a few of these right now. They um, had some funding in place, which can enable them to get a license, which goes, which was going to enable them to launch. Um, they were all set to go. And then the the investors who were, were Chinese pulled out, basically, and said, uh, for various reasons, we, we can't give you the money right now. Um, the reason that was given at the time was because of the way the Chinese rules work. There's uh, rules about investing outside of the country. Um, and they had been told, basically, you can't do this by the Chinese regulators. When the accounts came out from Tandem this week, there was a slightly different angle put on it by the Tandem CEO, who basically blamed Brexit for this lack of funding. Um, the, 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 the long shot, the, sorry, the upshot of them losing the funding was they didn't get the license, which means they haven't been able to launch. The second part of this story is they since went on to buy Harrods Bank for um, 80, mil- eighty million pounds or something. So there's there's two parts here that don't quite fit snugly together. The other thing funding here, funding, not quite
0: a problem if yeah, you can spend eighty million. Yeah.
2: So this that doesn't quite make ring true to me. I mean, the thing about the thing about if we want to go back to the original point of the story, Brexit funding. I can't think of a single other fintech I've spoken to, and I speak to quite a few who said Brexit's caused them a huge problem. I think it generally depends on the business you're running, the type of business. If you want to start a bank, you need a lot of capital. It's very capital intensive. It takes you a long time to get up and running. So that always is going to make things slightly difficult.
0: I I guess potentially if a Chinese investor was looking at investing in a... This is going to be a different, a long sentence, so let's bury me here. Chinese (laughs) investor investing in a UK company as a way of entering into the European market... That might make sense, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, the the, the original investment made perfect sense. Um, And then, you know, if, as you said, the the reason they pulled out was like, oh, well, maybe we can't go from the UK to Europe. But I I also don't think if you go back to what a bank does and other neobanks and how banking licenses work, you were never going to go to the UK first because you would need an ECB license to work in Europe alongside an FCA license. So if that was their plan, they didn't think it through to start with.
0: So we're basically calling bollocks on this one, are we?
2: Your word's not mine.
0: Okay, fine. (laughs) So moving on, uh, there is another uh, actually set of accounts that's been coming out here. So uh, this is Atom's. So Atom lost 42 million last year. Is this a big problem or is this just the sort of point in the life cycle that these guys are actually at?
2: I mean I, I love accounts. We do a lot of accounts. I'm a, I'm a numbers junkie. Um from
0: zero to accounting to accounts. Yeah. Like there's like it's like there's a theme. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to let
2: somebody else talk soon I promise. The, it's not a huge problem as far as as far as I can see. The the Atom lost 42 million, but they also got in 900 million in deposits. So it's not like they are I'll, uh, I'll take that
0: equation, right? Yeah.
2: I mean and when you look at their actual, when you dive down into their losses of the 42 million, they lost only 1 million was related to interest expenses. Now the reason that Atom has done so well in getting those deposits is almost certainly because they have some fabulous interest rates on their savings accounts, which are for a UK consumer very attractive. My question is, how long are they going to be able to continue doing that? And how well built up is the And rest what's the cyclicality
1: of that business? And yeah. what are they going to do in the loan portfolio to like balance that off over Absolutely. time, right? I think that's one of the biggest things that I would always look, even like when you look at one of the largest banks that grew, which is a Malaysian bank, and they did exactly that. Attraction of here's two percent deposits come 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 and then they couldn't keep up with the Sicakali like and just the I feel, reserve.
3: I feel like we saw was it maybe a month ago Marcus getting a billion in deposits mm. and you know and this is a this is a kind of a similar situation where it's a great rate um, and it's a, and it's a relatively new brand although you know there's a big name behind 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 Marcus. I feel like this is kind of this kind of shows just the the, the, the way people are thinking, which is you know secured money, safer weight, great rate.
2: Sorry, just there's another point here as well that Atom's other products are mortgages and small business loans. Now, does high interest savings account and mortgages sound like anybody else's business model anybody from the UK in this room could think of? (laughs) Building society. So it's possible. Building societies have done it for a while and they've made it work. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm still on the fence on this, but I see what you mean about the that's how building societies have had this huge pickup recently is exactly as you say. People don't want risk, they want to put their money somewhere they can get a good interest rate. Building societies consistently do that. All of a sudden, everybody's remembered they exist in the UK. But I think you're more <laughs> talking about
1: also the sentiment,
3: right?
2: Yeah, the, the, the sentiment the, of a consumer the, the consumer given. Yeah, the-
3: exactly. The customer sentiment, uh, you know, and maybe this comes back to Brexit. The unknown, you know, putting it into something that's safe. How a robo-advisors growing? I know we've got a story coming, out, coming up later, but, uh, you know... How are the what's investment looking like against this kind of, um, you know, these new banks taking lots of new deposits? I think it's an interesting it's an interesting one about consumer uh, sentiment.
0: It is. And I guess from somebody who've got a lot of deposits to unfortunately somebody who now has a lot less. So this is a story that we've got up on Love Money and this is pensioners are being stung with 46,000. Tax bill for saving too much money, Jamie. What's going on here?
3: Yeah. So before this, I googled what a pension was. So, um, ah, <laughs> oh, millennials. Yeah. Okay. So the 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 long and short of this is, if your pension pot is worth more than a, a million pounds uh, and you haven't been able to apply for an individual or fixed protection there to protect your pot, then the amount over a million pounds is subject to either a fifty five percent tax charge. If you take it as a lump sum, or a twenty five percent additional tax on top of income tax, if you take it as
0: income, this this sounds like the worst chance card you get at Monopoly right now. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that the the, it's the, like the, the gist is of this? Your life is over,
1: one? or your life is <clears> over <throat> in jail. Yeah. Yeah. Do I do I
0: not collect two hundred pounds when I pass go? Is no. that what happens here? I yeah. think the I think the the underlying
3: sentiment here is you're gonna be penalised for saving too much money.
2: Or, or if you're the savings you have have done very well, which is what the, the the article goes on to mention that the stock markets have performed particularly well. So depending on where your pension is, you may have had a sudden bump that's thrown you over a limit that you, you weren't going to be at previously. Um, the interesting thing for me is that this is running, you know, go back to the conversation about savings, robo advice, investment pensions. I think everybody, and since I was 16, has told me I should get a pension. And they've all been like, you know, the first thing you should do is start paying into a pension when you get a job. Um, and this kind of thing just, it's just soul-destroying. Yeah. Don't I mean, get a pension. I mean, and also the interesting thing is, well, the limits come down. So when these people started putting their money into their pensions, they had 1.8 million limit, which seems far beyond the reach of most people. But
1: it's come down. And it down. doesn't count inflation for most of yeah. it. Which it is just like it, like mind boggling if you're in any other country other than like a stable country. So how the, are you supposed to, at your age right now, figure out how much you're going to be making at that point, and how is that not changing or adjusting over time? And now here you go, you're old. Here's a really big bill. Yeah,
3: I think I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of movement as well in the pension in the pension space. You have the new pensions dashboard coming out. You have you know things like things like these, which are kind of adding more confusion into the into the sector, especially for someone like me who's you know relatively inexperienced with a with a. Pension Mention, I think I have one well pretty, the thing pretty is sure that, i pretty you think sure you i do have one pretty
0: sure i do have you, one you probably want to talk to your employer <laughs> like, <Jenny.
3: laughs> I, I, like i don't know but talk them. to me Roma, obviously so it's opt in it's opt out yeah that's right it's, it
2: was, it's, it's not it's upped,
3: <laughs> it's opt out it is upped out. but' it's hiring yeah. right? <laughs> but I think that what I th- I think what my my point being is that there is a lot of movement in the area, and I think you know we work with some some great pension providers with, with Bud, um, Pension B being one of them, who are doing a lot to educate younger people around the changing landscape of pensions and why they're important. Um, I do know I have a pension because I have started a Pension B account.
2: <laughs> so that's the, the, the for me the, the very important word there is education. Like people don't know what they are or how they work, and like a forty-six thousand pound tax bill. What 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 am I going to do with that when I'm seventy-five? But, but like, sure,
0: surely this teaches us not to have a pension. Surely this is flying in the face of all of that advice and basically just go and buy shares in Amazon, right?
3: I think it's I think it's have a pension, but be but also be organised and make sure that you apply for um you know apply for protection if you see yourself going going over this million pound limit, which which you which you can do. I think some of the some of the stories that I've. I've I've heard in in the past is, you know, someone who has applied for these these protection rights but has started a new job and has been auto-enrolled. And one of the conditions of those protection rights is that you don't take up another pension. And suddenly, thanks to auto-enrollment, it you know, all of those those monies earned over the million pounds suddenly now for that individual is, you know, surplus to a lot of tax and it's just about being organized and kind of understanding the way in which it's been set up. But I think it goes
1: back to Sarah's point. Like, there's no education. And I think with pension, more than any other investment, there is this sense of just like, I'm just going to stash it over there for like a bad day. And, and, people and are, I don't need to think about and, it.
2: And auto-enrollment is almost in the way the worst thing you can do because people are like, oh, well, my business, my company takes care of that. So mm-hmm. you have no idea like it's your what
1: financial well being yeah. for the future, but my company's gonna yeah. take care of it. You have no idea over. what,
2: what <laughs> risk band you're in, what fees you're paying. You know, I, I think I've said this before, but like I got to a point a few years ago where I had four different pension plans from four different companies. I was paying four different sets of fees. I rang them up, they're all from the same provider and said, Can I put these into one? And they said, Have you taken financial advice on that? So I hung up the phone, rang my mum, I was like, Good idea? She went, yes, yeah, I sounds like a good idea. Rang them back. I've had financial advice like your mum's number? Into- <laughs> 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 my mum gets a lot of shout-outs on this podcast.
3: <laughs> Poor woman. You, you <laughs> realise that was quite a weird thing to ask. <laughs> I will not ask for your mum's <laughs> number again.
0: I promise. Well, it would have been weirder if she'd given it out straight away. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest here, but yeah. um, in the maybe, recording, probably. <laughs> maybe on that note, uh, like drinks are empty, and I blame Brexit for that. Yeah. So uh, we're going to go and resolve that. You here listen to our sponsors. We'll be back in a second.
3: The Financial Times guides you through complex issues in divisive times. Don't settle for black and white when you need the full perspective turn to ft.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription.
0: Fintech innovation is changing the way we bank. And the speed we deploy new customer experiences is vital. Onboarding the right fintech partners can take months. Do you have time to lose? Introducing the Innovation Acceleration Platform from Temenos. Test fintech solutions at speed with real data straight from the core banking system. With a yearly subscription, you can begin testing the same day and create new customer experiences in no time. For more details, visit marketplace.temenos.com. Awesome. And thank you very much to our sponsors. And just quickly, before we get back into the news, we just wanted to say that we never really have enough time to actually cover all the stories that we get on an ongoing basis. It turns out FinTech's kind of hot right now, which is weird. So who knew, right? We kind of career guidance at some point, something went well, didn't it? Um, So if you want to to catch up with everything that's been happening on uh, the, the fintech, banking, insurtech, blockchain, blah, 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 space, uh, then check out fintechinsidernews.com to read more about all of the stories that we've discussed and many more besides. You can also sign up to join in the discussions with everybody on the podcast and many more fantastic names that are coming through. I think it's Fintech McFintech face. Like, you really <laughs> must talk to Ollie, I have to say. And <laughs> uh, that's fintechinsidernews.com or tweet us on at fintechinsiders on Twitter to find out more. Moving on. So this is the uh, first story that we have in the second part. This is on the Telegraph. This is two-thirds of consumers don't want to share financial data in a blue to open banking. Man, that was a long-ass title. They did not think about tweeting that <laughs> at all, <Yep>. did they? <laughs> well, People maybe the Chicago new one, is. the 280.
1: Yeah, yeah maybe. Kind of like
0: that's It's opening up a whole new world. So I, I thought this was quite an interesting statement, but also... Pretty sort of severe shades of bullshit going through this one as well. So, you know, like, the idea that actually the the sort of... I, I love fair trade. Like, you know, I'm sure we're all in the room. Like, I will trade you a good time for some alcohol. You know, the, or I will trade She's you... There. Anything you know? Like well, I, I'm, I'm continually <laughs> exactly right? Jamie. Like,
2: why do you think we're here? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I, I genuinely will trade pretty much anything for Wi-Fi on the planet, and I'm basically sitting in pretty much every airport going, I have done that. So you know, at the point where you're exchanging data for a thing that's a benefit to you, people will do this. You know, I think um, when we sort of dug into this one a little bit, the you know the sample size is probably not what we wanted it to be. As right? an actuarian
1: two thousand people—that's not any relevant. And like, what questions did you ask? Like, what context did you? put into As exactly as you said, like, is it fair? Do I understand what I'm giving for what I'm getting? I feel like most of us would be like, yeah. Or most of us would just scroll and say, well, well, And it's
0: its context, right? And I I think I've I've seen, having worked in sort of customer research, I've seen people completely bastardize research to really ensure that they get the answers out of it that they want to. And this writes a headline. You know, I don't think we would be talking about this if we were like, everybody's cool with open banking and it's going to be wonderful. Sarah, what do you think?
2: I mean, I think that I I agree about sample sizes, by the way. Like, you know, as somebody who spends my life, analyzing data small more sample sizes and my nemesis. I think the context point is perfectly fair. I think that, you know, if you say to people, would you give us your data? They're like, no. And I think what has to be taken into account as well is every time we talk about Equifax and Yahoo, people get more and more scared and more and more protective of their data. And they
1: don't know. And the people that are talking about privacy and data are like, they remind me of my high school principal. Right. So They're is- like bad don't yeah. give anything away so this is this mean. is no. this is the actual <laughs> like this
2: is the actual like valid point that comes out of here as far as i'm concerned is that to go back to pensions if you want people to do it you have to tell them what it's going to do you have to educate them you have to be like well, in a very this simple is, way yeah this is how it's going to benefit you and you need to do it right you need to do to regulate it properly but like if you're gonna you know we we love the fca on this podcast but like they got it right in the sense of like if you're going to make rules and regulate them you should go and speak to the people you're regulating and who's doing the work and then work out what the best way to put that together is and then how to educate people. So if you want open data and you want open banking to work, you've got to A, tell people what they're going to get out of it. You're exactly right. Like, how do I, how do I benefit? And secondly, you've got to reassure them that there are rules in place because reading 75 pages of T's and Z's scrolling through on my phone, I'm always going to click like either exactly. yes or or, this is definitely too much. not.
1: <laughs> like, but unless boom. there's something that really, like, stood out to you, yeah. then, then you're going to say, no, I'm not. Like, this makes me just feel like it's totally wrong and that equation isn't right. But, like, you look at the ad duopoly in the world between Facebook and Google, like, they're not regulated. But These they're, kind, but, they, but, but they don't they're not talk taking to you. your
2: money. This is the deal. But they're here, making right.
1: money on your data. So yeah. if you want to ask someone... How you would you share your data, or do you give me your data for open banking? Like that to me seems like the wrong question to begin with. I think it's, I agree. I think this is a very different question, right? Like have my
2: data on what I Google and what I bought at the weekend. Have my data on where I spend my money and who my employer is.
3: Ah, but very... what's the what's the value exchange that's going to get you there? Exactly. That's what's in for me. That's the interesting thing about this is. You know, understandably, there's a lot of situations where I'm like, no, don't don't send me promotional material. I don't want that because the the value that I'm I'm maybe using that service one time. But what is the value that's coming back to me? That means that I'm gonna go, yeah, hell yeah, I'll I'll tick I'll take that box. And whether that's a personalized the person mortgage... doesn't
1: understand how much their data is even worth. So to ask them a question about and relate it back to open banking to say, Would you share your data?
3: But if I said to like, you, but if I said to you, um, Can I help yeah, you pick log better in, banking? Login. Or... Log with your if you log in with your bank here, then we can give you a hundred percent tailored insurance uh, insurance
0: premium. You know, Hell and,
1: yes. but, and if it's but, but, but actually well, then, and this personalized, is,
0: this is thing is like, you know, sitting in uh, like Calgary airport, like I did, it was like, these guys are going to get Sorry access to all that. of your like contacts <laughs> on Facebook. And I was like, well, like, I, I guess, but I, I'd like I need Wi Fi. So yes, you know, like that, ha- that will happen, right? But I
2: think the point is here that you have to think about what whatever the value of people's data is. And as you say, they don't understand, you know, the value of their own data. But if it is, it's a it's a psychological thing. So yes, saying you know that you know that this is a perfectly um, tailored premium on your insurance. It's going to be much cheaper, or actually, it could be more expensive depending on how you're looking at. It. But the point is, the the argument about that doesn't work with Facebook and Google is because they're giving up what they bought, like right. not
0: Let, how they paid for it. Let's test this. Let's okay. test this. So in order to get access to your transactional data in your current account, I can give you like ten percent of your mortgage. How many, like 1% off your mortgage? Not enough. But like Club 1%, 10%, House. 2%? 10%, 10%. 2%, 10%. Yeah, I'd take 10. 10%. So 10% off your mortgage. 100% would take it. 10%, 10% for 100%, is that? It's like an Anchorman quote that you're dropping on us <laughs> yeah. right now. But like, you know, literally I reckon people would do it for like 50% discount on their broadband. Never mind like anything else. You know, like genuinely I think if people will get a material benefit from sharing data that they don't understand to your point actually that there's a material uh, a sort of value to then actually they will do it especially if they're tr- uh, they're trusting a I don't buy uh, it really but I don't really? think
2: they would because I think it's their financial data I think that's the, that's my point that's the psychological I, point it's sure. my financial data
0: but, sure. but we we've con- we've been conditioned though to like we've had and, and maybe sort of moving slightly on into the to the next story yep. to a certain degree you know we've been conditioned for like the last 10 years for by banks in the uk and and actually sort of broader into the European Union as well. That we're still a part of for a little while anyway. But will be a while. Well. Yeah, we're we're good for a couple of years, right? Um, that to not share details, not share access and like your bank is like the most secret thing, right? And it it's kind of different in you know, like in America actually people just share this stuff, right? You know, like the amount, your salary and all those things. Like as British people we're pretty you know, like reserved, right? So, you know, talking about how much money you make is a big deal, kind of sharing your transactional capability is probably way beyond the sort of realms of of nature. And we've been mandated from terms and conditions not to actually share your username and password. Like, that's going to be completely broken down over the next couple of years with everything that's happening with open banking though, right? I think when you couple open banking with GDPR and
3: you and you see that you get a terrible headache. Use, but it's that, but, but that's, that's like use, schizophrenic, surely. Like yeah, GDPR I mean. is like, don't do it. Open banking is like, it's okay. I think what, what's interesting <laughs> about GDP using your Calgary Airport example, if they said to you, we're gonna have access to your Facebook and all your Facebook friends, GDPR, they have to tell you what they're gonna be doing with that information as well. And I think that is the step where you're like, right. Is that, it? what's the value coming back to me, now that I understand the value and what they're going to be doing with it, what is the thing that I need in return? And it may be that when that happens,
0: Wi-Fi is not enough. But but haven't we actually seen this? I think it was Lloyd's Banking Group who came out this week and said, due to GDPR, we've actually had to completely rethink our marketing strategy, which is like... Yeah, Like, the jig is up, guys. Like, now we've got to, you know, fess up to what we're doing. And, like, you know, that's quite a, a sort of a stark realization, really, isn't it?
1: But right now, the equation is so wrong anyways. Like, I I have, like, in Canada anyways, I have to give all this information to get a bank account so you can hold my money and provide me zero value today. And most of them, yeah. Like, who's providing who the service? And how do you know that? And like, everyone that talks about privacy or everyone that talks about those terms or what am I doing with your data sounds boring. It's not sexy. It's not fun. Can we do a data insider? Oh wow! (laughs)
3: Because I think I think this this like we don't
0: need any more podcasts. Okay, (laughs) like this
3: is (laughs) but it's but like everyone is so jazzed with like wanting to talk about this because it's such a hot. Topic, and it, there's so much to actually talk about, really. When you and think about it, and there's so the much pos- not done yet. I'm, I was hard obviously hard joking hard. about data inside it, but you know, I think it's it's bigger than just this news story. You realize you know?
0: somebody just bought that domain listening to this, they were <laughs> like, sh- just straight on there, yeah. does it exist? Can I buy the dot com? There's, there's and I'm looking, yeah. I'm looking, it was my Michael. Oh, Michael.
2: I just saw <laughs> the exact same thing, He was typing. Well, I was gonna say to move us on and be the adult, because like. I'm going to have a bash for a while and see how it goes. The, the next story is this um, very ne- ties into that story by Data very, very neatly. It's talking about HSBC's uh, app that they launched in beta this week. Better? Beta? Beta? Uh, um, about
3: <laughs> it's definitely not beta. <laughs>
2: that's, no? Okay, that's a whole beta? other conversation. Um, basically, it's an account aggregation. So you can put all your accounts into, into one app and then you can see. And you can see see it all in one place. But the question is, will people use it? Because, now they will argue that they're HSBC and they have a big bank brand on it. So there are many people out there who do do this. And I don't know if they do it better or worse. I haven't seen this app. But HSBC are arguing that because they have a big bank brand on the front of it, people are going to be much more willing to bring in their accounts from the 21 other different banks they support. Sure, they'll
1: trust. Because then they'll say, you've been the discretionary manager of my money. Now you're going to be the discretionary manager of my data. And here's all my aggregated data and the service and you manage it. So you buy
2: it. You think people would go with HSBC over... I'm going to say Yolt. <laughs> well, that's a bank brand. That doesn't count. Okay. So
3: I, my I, I think what's interesting what's interesting here is that it's 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 coming from the bank. It's inter it's all kept and, you know, a lot of the things that we do at, at Bud is all about put, plugging value into those into those banking digital channels. And I think the fact that this is coming from the bank will do quite a lot in terms of trust. Uh, You know, that that that, they're utilizing like that that brand
1: awareness the same way that my brand awareness of like, I know I get value from Facebook and I it's been good so far. It's been a good ride with HSBC. Maybe it's been a good ride. So now I'm going to trust you with this new currency that I have, which is all my data and all my stuff and take care of it. I have a big question
2: about how easy it is to set up, though, because I've tried using several of these before and I am so wedded to my mobile banking apps that when I go onto one of these services and they're like give us, you know, your secret answer and your memorable information and your username, I'm like.
1: I, I did that clue. seven years ago. I, I don't clue. remember. I a How lot of about this me? Cha-
3: A lot of this will change in, <laughs> in um, you know, kind of PSD2 world yeah. where it's where you're talking, you know, more reliable with the API integration. So not relying on, you know, kind of other ag- aggregation um, technologies. And there'll be a lot of people, you know, don't forget, there'll be a lot of people talking about this come January uh, 13th. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably. I should make January thirteenth, and then
1: authentication is the second, the fourth quarter of twenty eighteen.
3: Yeah. Exactly. So there's going to be a lot of people talking about this. I think what is good about this story is it shows big, big banks, real big banks, taking this very seriously and wanting to make a stamp early. Well, and I kind of think that's
0: the best spin on this. You know, like actually getting out there ahead of everything that's happening with PSD two and open banking, and actually sort of harking back to the stuff we were talking about zero earlier on, like. Everybody wants to be the platform. Everybody's paranoid about losing yeah. access to customers disintermediation. and disintermediation. Y- y- oh, the word! Like, <laughs> yeah, like, if you're playing the drinking game know. along with FinTech Insider, you're drunk by now. I'm drunk uh, by now. Uh, but I, I completely agree, though. I think it's one of those ones where actually. How do we really sort of get through this now? How do so many different organisations that are sort of fighting to become the front of house and actually the people who are really sort of controlling the customer in terms of the the access and actually having all of that access to the, to the data? You know, it's uh, it feels like a slightly defensive strategy in my mind, really. It but, should be
1: because most, most banks have one. crap data to begin one. with.
0: It's step one
3: on a on a strategy that I feel like is is putting the experience at the front the customer experience at in the foreground and i think this is step 1 of of a, a multi-step approach um you know in reading through the article you can kind of get a sense of the things that they want to uh, they want to achieve with with all of these um with 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 the integrations and i think
2: so I think I think the, the I think you're... Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off there. The one the one thing that was really interesting for me is talking about education. Like, there's two points here. One is that HSBC have done it. So every HSBC customer, or not every, but most will now have seen it and go, oh, what's what that is. The second thing is, there was an article this week on the BBC Top Red, which talked about this and mentioned Monzo and Yolt and open banking. And I was like, boom, okay, people actually are reading about it now. Well, at least like, they've got an be And associating it with a large yeah. brand. Yeah. But but that's good, because at least they understand what it, what it might, or at least trying to start understanding what it is. I, like,
0: I've, I've started to see people get really hipster about this, though. You know, uh, like, the minute that uh, Yolton... literally and,
2: physically slumped. Yeah, thing. like, yeah, Yolton, Monzo
0: start going mainstream. <laughs> they need to twitching. move on. You know, like, uh, we need to get more obscure names. What's more about... obscure than
2: Hot Coral? <laughs> but
3: I don't
0: know. I think... we'll, we'll ask that question for here.
3: <laughs> but collaboration, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the adult now. This is a very odd position that I find myself in, but collaboration with big brands and fintech leads us very nicely into the next story, which is Aviva acquiring a majority stake in Wealthify. Wealthify being a partner of Bud, we love them, and we know how ambitious they are as a as a as a company. So it's really great to read um read news like this uh, coming from them.
2: It's an, it's a really interesting strategy as well because the way that they're gonna Aviva are gonna use it is they're gonna deliver it through the My Aviva portal, which I actually have, which is bizarre to me. This is like a big you know legacy uh, portal. I'm like, oh, I have that one. I signed up for that. Took me weeks. Um, but it's really interesting because in the US, the automated investing stuff the betterments of this world have done incredibly well because people are used to doing self-directed investing. We don't do that in this country. The closest we've got is a pension. So if you've got an Aviva pension and you have a portal, then putting an automated investment option next to it inside your portal
0: sounds like a really good idea to me. Is this not something like somebody would like Nutmeg have done though? You know, they've uh, got pension integration capability, they've got investment capability, and they can sort of hive all that stuff is, off into an ISA?
2: Yeah, but this is delivered under my Aviva. So, think about all those people who have workplace pensions, which are either with Aviva or AXA or Standard Life. And that's probably the only pension provider they've ever heard of. Yeah. And they probably do have a My Aviva or whatever the equivalents are. And because, they're probably
1: in the same mind skip that someone else is taking care of. Yeah. It, and they've got a big brand on thing, it. And everybody yeah.
2: has the same thing. So, if not make opposite to me they have some great advertising but i still don't really know who they are if my aviva who my company trusts to put money into and i trust my company then maybe exactly. i'll use them maybe and, I'll speaking, invest.
3: and speaking to the guys at wealthify about this a few weeks ago they didn't mention who, who it was that they'd got investment from but they made it clear to us that there's still a direct to customer uh, proposition um and you can still go to wealthify and, and start a, an investment pot from as little as one pound so
0: it's an interesting thing to that point, though, actually, the amount of companies that are sort of changing their distribution model to actually make advantage of all of these different things, it was actually one of the things that sort of reoccurred in the the interviews that we're doing at uh, the ZeroCon thing as well is, you know, most of those organizations have got direct access, you know, the the sort of BTC distribution model, but actually moving into sort of cozying up with big, traditional, you know, well-known brands, as you say, that Aviva actually is, and, you know, uh, those guys have got way more customers than you have, and I think we're going to see more and more of that, really
1: and then there's some great growth plan you don't need to blame brexit for not raising money because yeah. you've got the big partner that has all the clients no and we, and we, we still
0: will blame <laughs> brexit for some stuff it'll be fine okay. moving on on to the next story and this is one that's up in the guardian so this is banks to switch to real-time payments for australia day so this is great like you know we we often sort of forget <laughs> sitting in the uk that actually sort of like faster payments is a thing
1: oh canada we're in payment modernization still uh (laughs) and it's three years from now until we can do (laughs) oh yeah higher level payments it's 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 so many questions
0: about
2: this like (laughs) sorry for people who couldn't see i literally had my head in my hands when david read this i thought
0: i did a thing but like apparently i didn't do a thing but this is a a group of 13 banks and uh, various different sort of financial institutions that are actually out there so collaborating about this new billion dollar Billion dollar Australian dollars, right? Yeah. Uh, platform uh, run by a company called New Payments Platform Australia, so NPPA, uh, and this is going to be enabling this much much simpler process for actually making payments for people. No
1: overnight batching.
0: Well, it it seems Apparently. like that sort of spurs like a whole level of innovation, really. <laughs>
2: I mean, we have to talk about Australia first and how they are somewhat slower to move than maybe some other people
0: when Go it comes on. to
2: financial <laughs> innovation. I mean, they only have four big banks and it's taken them are this long. They, <laughs> they, okay, they, <laughs> see, see,
0: even Canada's got more banks. <laughs> they have four big banks, but those big banks own like 10 that, other banks, I, right? Sorry,
2: yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, they, they could have done this if they'd wanted to a lot quicker, sure. is my point. They could have been like, right, we'll just do it, guys. They all know each other. They're all part of the same lobbying group. They
1: could have just gone, do you want to like do what the UK does and India does? Yeah, Sure, let's do it. They could have done it. Canada did it in a way of building interact first, so building like direct deposits and like peer to peer like lending and transfers, and then that that's how they did it, and still not to higher levels (laughs) so it's just
2: the the interesting thing we talk about on this podcast quite a lot is the services that not having real-time payments allows to develop for example venmo so we we have i have one point of view some other people on this show have other points of view about whether venmo would work in the uk or not because we don't really need it because i could pay you tomorrow i could pay you today and you get the money in 10 minutes so why would i need another app to do that just go into my Mm, bank and do it
0: the need is already met
2: yeah so the interesting question here is like In my mind is, is this the big? Banks, I don't know if the big banks are involved in this, but if this, the big banks are involved in this, is this them putting their foot down on any of those upstarts and going, now nah, we got this, we're going to put squash out any other competition?
0: Not really. I think okay. very similar we're to open to banking, <laughs> where actually everybody's like, yeah, we're so pro-opening up APIs. Actually, this is very much about the regulator moving to make this stuff happen. Okay. If anything, it's actually been driven by um, one of the platform plays within the community banking space uh, within Australia, and there's actually a huge amount of those, mm. which is actually leading leading on putting this stuff in place so right i don't think it's necessarily the big four getting together and go you know what people would like this uh it's more about the the regulator and very similar to actually what's happened in in the uk you know we can very much point at things like open banking now but without the sort of big kick up the ass that the fca did probably about what, six or seven years ago now uh most of the stuff that we're seeing now wouldn't really be happening and on that sombre note, maybe it's worth uh, moving on slightly. And actually, a pretty interesting connected one on this one is: is uh, it's not only Australia getting in on the game; this the America is as well. So this is a story in American banker. This is the Justice Department gives big banks the green light on real time payments.
2: So, so the the Americans have been trying. To do this for a while, I don't. I uh, so basically, my you know, if Australia and Canada are doing it, you know, America's kind of like "Eh," thinking about it for a while. But I don't know what power the Justice Department has. Is my
0: question. So it seems like a strange person to be getting involved in this one. And also, even if they say that this is a good thing to do, they've still got to pass it through and like the the lobbying process through all of the different governance processes that make this sound. The problems as well, right now. Got bigger
2: problems over there. Do we do we want to move on to one of those potential problems?
0: I think it would be fun too, but I, I fear it, like this, this story is kind of like
2: <laughs> Bianca's been waiting for this. Yes, well, it's, all, it's all evening. evening. It's She's, been clor- She's
3: been clawing at the table. Yeah. Yeah. All no, the, no, the gift no, no.
0: that keeps on giving, but sort of like Pandora's box to a certain degree. So next up we have the Equifax Hack. This is so like literally I don't think we could make this up if we kept trying, and, and like, like before, I can't
1: believe it's news anymore. R- r- I
0: think like, it's a joke. But it's so CNN. This is one from CNN. So Equifax just scored a seven million dollar contract to protect the IRS from fraud. Go on.
1: On a single source contract, and what does that mean? Ah. Uh, they didn't get any other quotes. They thought that, you know, IRS thought that Equifax was the right one to protect people's identity. <laughs> Good, Because their tagline is, look beyond the credit file, like way beyond, like can look we just all do the a, sin
3: numbers. Can we just do a shout out to Equifax's salespeople? <laughs> <laughs> Killing it. You guys it. and girls are crushing Totally
1: it. understand protecting identity. After the CEO has quit and said that... Actually, consumers should be have the right to protect their own identity. So back to the data conversation we so, had, but
0: so I think, mind-boggling. I, I think I think there's like a you know like this deal wasn't done in the last couple of weeks, right? But just whoever is running the PR campaign around this one, take a couple of months, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like this <laughs> have a did. Think about this. Yeah, this did not need to be announced now. Like you, you took five months to
1: tell everyone about the hack that you already knew.
2: Well,
0: Anyways, maybe <laughs>
1: maybe
2: it's because Yahoo went like. Guys, we got this. It wasn't the breach wasn't you know as small as we thought it was. Literally everybody's email was you know compromised. And Equifax went, that's fine. They've taken the heat. We're, yeah. we're okay now. Like people yeah. are gonna forget that we lost <laughs> over many the millions win. In the data. Hundred and forty five, and it keeps growing, right? It's like this, just, just, this another like, five on every time. Nobody'll oh. notice.
0: It, it is a worrying thing, and I don't feel this is probably the end of this story. I imagine this, there'll be a like a part I think it's just seventh. so
1: scary when you think about, we, we talked about this all today, right? We talked about education, we talked about identity, we talked about the fact that people trust these institutions to take care of what's going to be the key to their whole life. Like, it's the key to their mortgage, is the key to their credit report, or what they can or cannot do in the future, mm. and but, but it are, wasn't protected.
0: But are people trusting Equifax, or like, should, like, do people trust the IRS? Like, you know, like, who do you trust now? Facebook?
3: Well, this is the thing. That I think this is an interesting question around legacy security systems and new security systems. So, you know, things that are the, the Equifax hack, it was an exploitation of an old security system. And I think when you look at new companies, you know, like new challenger banks, new technology platforms, those security protocols have been built with the modern kind of agenda you know it's it's all built from scratch understanding the capabilities of hackers in 2017 and you know when you talk to kind of real people around where you're going to place your trust is it going to be the big companies who have legacy issues when it comes to a lot of things which includes security and or are you going to or are you going to trust the the smaller less well-known companies and i think there is a there is a there's trust is such a such an odd thing that you it builds over time and so although although the smaller but all but the smaller companies who are newer who have more state-of-the-art security protocols you could argue do not have the trust because it takes a long time to build it and the older companies who you could also argue may be
0: compromised in a certain certain areas when it comes to security because of legacy issues i I think that's that's a really interesting point though is actually the big banking organizations are actually starting from such a negative place right now from a, a brand equity perspective and actually from a trust perspective. I think, I think it might have been another essential study, which given what I was saying later on, you can rely on or not. It's up to you. Um, but actually the, the, financial services industry is only less trusted than the media industry but which, it's a needed
1: one though right yeah it's like you have to there's have there's no alternative this, so really you, well and i know. have to have my credit report to get my mortgage i don't know if it was like i trusted equifax but i had to do it if i wanted to get rent a place in canada or the u.s
2: i mean i'd love to know do you know do you know off the top of your head who is most trusted do
0: you like bizarrely like the car in, car manufacturing industry were like no pretty way. high up
2: that can't be true after Volkswagen's debacle no way right? exactly
0: <laughs> yeah it's like, uh... and
3: that dodgy guy in the tweed suit rubbing his hands when you walk into like a car lot but I don't you know. think it's like
1: car salesman I think it's like trusted that the car won't fail
3: but they're in I'm I'm I, I group them all in there Really, yeah. I wow. really, I from
0: uh, sweeping generalization to another. Yeah, and and actually, bizarrely, I know we usually like to live on a leave on a, a funny one. And you could be probably mistaken to think that that was the funny one. But actually, there's a even more bizarre one on this one. So this is uh, from a, a publication called pigeons and planes, which amazing title, if nothing else. So this is ghost face killer. And if you don't know Ghostface Killer, this is somebody from the Wu-Tang Clan.
2: And if you don't know what that is, and you're like, you're like me, you had to Google it, it proves that you're finally too young for something. You don't than know to... what the Wu-Tang no, Clan is? No, because I was five when oh it Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah, but
3: I was probably not even a thing, but
0: I still get Wu-Tang Clan. Exactly. It's, Gravel pit, come it's, on. it's history. Come on, Sarah, like step up. Anyway, Ghostface <laughs> Killer is starting a, it's his own cryptocurrency company, calling it Cream.
3: Which can only make sense nice. if you have googled it, right? Really? Which oh, is... No, that makes a lot. That's good. That is good.
0: It is. So, so this is uh, cryptocurrencies rule everything around me. Which used Three. to be
3: cash, as far nice. as It used to be cash rules everything around it me. Did. Yes, get so I get the money, now money, 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 dollar, 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 dollar bill, y'all, 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 y'all. No,
2: no.
1: <laughs> Just <laughs> there's going to be an ice,
2: ice, ice. So was there was oh, I had a conversation with somebody earlier who was like, you know, this is this is this is this is great, and I was like, um. Yeah, I'm so out of my depth. And not because it's cryptocurrency. Like, it's actually the reference.
3: Um, Is it mainstream now, though? What, hip-hop or cryptocurrency? Which one? Cryptocurrency. (laughs) Cryptocurrency is mainstream. face killer, cryptocurrency, surely now. Now we can all accept uh, But, but I, I, Well I think Because now these, we have
1: the trust what it's, but How it's well the, could you <laughs>
3: not <laughs> yeah, Exactly <laughs> We've got Jamie Was it Jamie Foxx Jamie Foxx Paris Hilton Paris, Hilton, Hilton. You know, Paris
2: Hilton's quietly Withdrawn her support For that, that Really
3: way. Well yeah, i like If Paris so, isn't in Then like then I don't think out. I can trust she, These things she anymore ask, Did she ask Finally yeah, but what is it?
2: No, I think she finally asked whether the guy who was running it had previously been jailed for numerous other
3: offences. Oh my lord. Which
2: was actually only,
0: true. I don't think that would be <laughs> so a problem So they share to something in
2: it? <laughs> um, yeah. So the thing is that when I read this story, I was like, "Is this real?" And then somebody pointed me to CNBC. So I think actually we have to accept that this is a thing, and I need to go and do some more YouTubing.
0: So, but on but there note. was there was there was this actually. I think um, Simon on Blockchain Blockchain Insider recently said, "Who would be the person you would actually believe uh, in like an Taylor ICO?" Swift. Elon Musk.
1: Because she's like, I think Elon
0: Musk, Musk, Musk
2: more than Taylor Swift.
1: I don't really?
0: know. Mm. I know. I'm not sure about Elon Musk. Because like I think Elon
1: p- Musk is like quite like controversial on some AI topics, right? But I feel like someone sweet like Taylor Swift. No, maybe Taylor controversial. Coin? I don't
0: know. Nah, no, like, like, I'm yeah. not so sure. Like, Stephen Hawking coin? Celine that's Celine Dion, wow. <laughs> just because she's Canadian. Canadian. Right? I, like, just, I have to
1: speak
2: I don't think of any other Canadian. I've like, only come in with Brian Adams, but and that's not trying. very helpful. Well, I, well,
0: I think the, the, the overarching winner on that one was The Rock, right? Because basically... Dwayne, <laughs> oh. The Rock coin. Yeah, <laughs> I would literally do anything <gasps> the that The Rock, rock, rock said.
3: Points.
1: Oh, rocks. rocks. Rock, Rocks. Ooh, that's a good name, actually. Really? Stop typing over there. I can see you <laughs> trying to,
3: like, and on domain that note, Yeah, <laughs> Buy the Rock Rocks domain name.
0: <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Michael is going to be a rich man. And on that note, this wraps up another episode of Fintech Insider News. As always, if you want to keep in touch with what we're up to, check us out at Fintech Insiders on Twitter. And if you want to catch up on, on Facebook, look up for us on Fintech Insider. If you like what you've heard and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and please leave us those reviews. We love reading those, particularly the five-star ones, the, like the other ones not so much guys you know just saying thanks very much catch you next week